This episode of the Up for Discussion podcast is brought to you in part by The Zombie Game, a brand new graphic novel on Kickstarter right now. A group of college students attend an end-of-the-year party only to find themselves hunted by the rich in a live-action zombie apocalypse video game. You can go to bit.ly slash zombies now to support them on Kickstarter and find out how you can get The Zombie Game. This episode of the Up for Discussion podcast is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Launched in Kelowna, BC, and now expanding to Montreal, Whiskey Lane is on a mission to share their obsession with quality food and drinks with growing audiences by keeping the best local flavors on their minds and on their tongues. No matter what your business needs to grow, Whiskey Lane knows how to make it happen. Whiskey Lane, bringing long lines to the producers of specialty food and drinks. Go to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And that's whiskey the Canadian way without an E. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Up for Discussion's review of Tournament of Champions Season 2. This is episode 6, and I am Tom Zalatni. And I am Matt Cole. <laughs> that was such a... I'm just like laying out the facts today. Here is... This is the yeah. show. This is the episode. These are the hosts. Listen, it, yeah. it's gray. It's rainy. It's Monday. It's a low energy day, and that's okay. <laughs> I uh, I appreciate that. Like, we seem to have pretty similar weather despite being in different places. Because, like, yeah, it is also gray and gross here, and a Monday. I mean, I guess it would be a Monday no matter where we both lived. But like, I I, I appreciate that kind of. Uh, there's a consistency, you know? There is certainly a synchronicity there. Listen, as someone who has never been to Montreal, it certainly seems like the Ohio of Canada. That hurts. I'm sorry? <laughs> I'm not I'm not that sorry. As someone who lives in Ohio, I'm, I, I care not for the pain that I inflict upon others. <laughs> no, I, I could see that. Every time that I see, like, Guy Fieri go to, like, Columbus, I'm like, this isn't, like, super different from what I'm used to. It's just less French. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot less French here. There's yeah. minimal. I think French is probably the hardest nationality to find any true representation of in Columbus. <laughs> I say with zero research and absolutely no fact to back that up outside of my own experience. I think a lot of uh, actual French people would say the same about Montreal. To be fair. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. You know, it is here and there. The letter O. The letter O is both here and there. Wait, what? You you said, do you know what's both here and there? And the letter O is both in Montreal and Canada. Oh, there we and go. And Montreal and Ohio. Yeah, that's right. And you know who makes me go, oh, is our first round matchup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dumb, dumb show. Uh, oh, Matt, a fun thing also. Um, a recurring theme throughout my note taking from last night's episode is that my autocorrect was really on some bullshit and I chose to let it be. And I'm going to tell you every time that it fucked something up because that's fun for me. Sweet. I'm into that. Um, so our first matchup is between Tiffany Raisin and Darnell Ferguson. <laughs> According to my autocorrect. Uh, no. So of course we have Tiffany Faison and uh, Faison. Faison. God damn it. Every time, man. Every time. Like, 
like set phase on to stun. <laughs> I don't know if that joke was for you or if it was just for me, but yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's like that movie uh, where uh, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger trade faces. Phase on. All right, I liked that one less. Go ahead. So the randomizer gave uh, Tiffany and Darnell a whole chicken, curry leaves, the coconut opener, Greek, and 30 minutes. Matt, what would you do with that? Okay, so I worked for a while on this one. Honestly, I've really been struggling with this uh, quarterfinal randomizer being like the global randomizer. It's just really been throwing me for a loop with a lot of things that I am not super familiar with. Sure. But I do really love greek food like greek is probably my favorite international type of food um if it's not my favorite it's up there and sort of what i came up with was a greek seasoned chicken that i probably would shred and do as a gyro because it's greek and you know whatever sure yeah but i think that i would have used the curry leaf to make a tzatziki sauce Mm -hmm. And then I think that this is where I got a little crazy with it. I would have taken some of the chicken bones, used the coconut opener to snap through the chicken bones, cook the bone broth with the curry leaf into the tzatziki sauce and make like a marrow and curry leaf tzatziki sauce. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like that. That That um... was, yeah, that was where I went with that. Yeah, the the thing that I struggled with on this one was, um, so the thing with curry leaf is that just like a bay leaf, it you really need to let it like steep for a long time to infuse flavor out of it, which is tough in 30 minutes, right? Like they were, yeah. I think for the most part, you know, both of them, I think, threw it into some kind of liquid to infuse it. And um, I asked Teffer, I turned to Teffer, my partner during this and was like, can you do that in 30 minutes cold? Like if you're if you're throwing a cold, if you throw a bay leaf into, say, yogurt to try to infuse the tzatziki without heating it up, will that work? And like, not really. And then the other question is like, is tzatziki good, good, warm? And the answer is also not really. (laughs) So I struggled with this one a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess the other option there is to cook the bay leaf or not the bay leaf, excuse me, the curry leaf into the chicken. But I think I'm more interested in trying to do a creative tzatziki sauce than I am to just like add another seasoning to the chicken, you know? Totally. And you know what? I I think that like where it kind of breaks down and the solution to that problem is what Tiffany did with, um, she infused curry leaves in oil. And I think that's the trick there is that you infuse the curry leaves in some oil because you can heat the oil up and then you mix that oil into the tzatziki to get that flavor into it without like heating the whole thing up too much, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I think that's smart. I really like your idea to do uh, to do it as a like gyro kind of thing. There's something nice about uh, when I think of Greek food, most of the time I think of something handheld, you know, I, I think of like a nice, like fresh, but like delicious and filling like pita with something in it. So I, I yeah, like that instinct. I definitely tend to think handheld or I think like a platter that you're using pita to scoop sure. into a handheld form. You know, I, I definitely don't think of Greek food without pita. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I, uh, despite getting that, I actually went for something without pita just because I think I have a hesitation in this competition to do anything that requires a pita or like any kind of bread because the judges might knock me for not doing it hand like homemade 
and uh, they might knock my homemade pita for being bad. So I'm always like, let's see if I can like avoid doing it because that feels like the the safer move to me. Um, just because I'm not confident in my ability to bake things quickly, you know? I'm not confident in my ability to bake things slowly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so where I went with this one was um, when I saw the whole chicken, I thought about how when you get Korean fried chicken here, uh, I don't know if it's the same everywhere, but certainly from the places we go to, they tend to like hack up a whole chicken into pieces, bread it and fry it. And like my brain went, okay, like I would like to do some kind of like fried chicken kind of as an homage to that. Um, but you know, I have half an hour, so I'm not going to do it with the bones in and I'm not going to necessarily like, you know, fry the whole chicken um, because the instinct to try and cook a whole chicken in half an hour for the judges is definitely there. But I think that uh, both Tiffany and Darnell were right to kind of fight that instinct and not, you know, serve a whole chicken on a platter. Um, So where I went with this was uh, I would take, you know, chicken, debone it, tenderize it with the coconut opener um, because what is a coconut opener, but a mallet. Um, And then I would fry the chicken with oregano in the batter because that is a real like Greek flavor to me. Um, Serve it with, like a squeeze of lemon on top because again that's like to me like oregano and lemon is kind of like the flavor punch of greek food and um then on the side i actually i think had a similar thought to tiffany but like slightly different format wise um i would infuse the curry leaves into spinach that i would cook down uh and make I think this is maybe called terra masala, but I didn't say that last night when I wrote it down in my notes. I just called it a uh, warm spinach salad with feta and Kalamata olives. Um, but that's that's where I went with that. Kind of like a spanakopita. Yeah, but but sans pastry, because again, I don't want to deal with you know pastry. And, sure, and sure, baking. yeah. Yeah. Whereas Tiffany, you know, pureed that. I would kind of make mine a little bit more intentionally textural. I don't know. Got it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I'm down with that. I love Spanakopita. Like, oh boy, do I love Spanakopita. <laughs> um, so any Spanakopita-esque filling that you give to me in any form, I'm into. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. The uh, the pizza place I used to work at had a uh, Spanakopizza that was um, like a, it was like a garlic cream sauce um, and then like a shitload of spinach, cheese, and I think not much else. Maybe feta and onion actually i think that was it it was it was very simple but delicious man that yeah i want that i want that real bad right now (laughs) my mom i've talked about my mom on this show uh we have a strained relationship but the one part of my relationship with my mom that was always great was her cooking and uh she would do her own like handmade phyllo pastry dough and like make her own spanakopita all the time and it was fantastic and uh uh, one day maybe I'll get over my fear of pastry and and try to figure that out for myself. I don't know. Yeah, I definitely I've never ventured into making my own. Maddie is pretty good at cranking out pastry whether it's dough or, you know, I don't know how else I don't know what else I was going to say other than dough, pastry <laughs> dough. She's good at making pastry dough. Um, but I have never really tried it myself and because she's dairy free, she can't eat feta and there are a lot of good vegan cheeses vegan feta is not one of them sure and so making spanakopita has not been something that has happened in our house yet (laughs) yeah that's fair i uh yeah 
you know, I could I could see like um like a cashew based vegan cheese being an okay substitute for feta, but like it's not the same, you know. No, and like we do a lot of cashew cheese, like a ton of cashew cheese, and I think one of the most important things about feta is the like light airy texture of feta. Yeah. And even when you cook it into a spanakopita, you don't lose that airiness in the texture, and no. that is. I would say basically impossible to mimic with cashew cheese because it tends to be, it's a weird word, but almost more of a slurry yeah. than anything else. Yep. Yep. Uh, and, and I don't think that you could really pull off a convincing feta with cashew cheese. Yeah. I don't know if, uh, do you have Wendy's where you are? Yes. Deb, Wendy's is actually headquartered where I am. Oh, love that. We have, we have exactly one Wendy's and, uh, no, we have two Wendy's, but they are a, uh, five minute drive from each other on the same road. Uh, it's Good. dumb. It's real dumb. Uh, they're both along a highway. One's within walking distance of my house. The other's within walking distance of the other. Um, I think about like cashew cheese like the texture of that is like very close to a frosty. Yeah, you know, you're not wrong. That is upsetting, but you're not wrong. <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's talk about what Tiffany and Darnell did here. Um, Tiffany did a Greek style chicken in tomato, roasted red pepper sauce, and a Spanakopita inspired puree with curry leaves infused in the oil, uh, which Marcus said took guts uh, because she used light and dark meat. Nancy said it didn't that she didn't taste the randomizer enough in it, and Marcus agreed on that one, but overall they enjoyed it. Darnell did a barbecue date-glazed chicken leg, Greek potato salad, roasted fennel, and carrots. Nancy said that the dish was flavorful. Uh, sorry, <laughs> try that word again. Nancy said that the dish was playful and beautiful and rich and inviting. Marcus said that there was a clear aesthetic point of view, and Rocco said that it hit 9 out of 10 marks in its ambition. Uh, in a shocking turn of events and I say that sarcastically, Darnell won this one with a 85 over Tiffany's 80 because like, yeah, his was just a little bit better. See, and that's really interesting. So I'm not going to lie to you. I was pretty, pretty upset with the judges on this one. I really felt like Tiffany had the better dish here. And I think I'm partially biased. Actually, I'll just admit that I'm partially biased because this busted my bracket. This was the first <laughs> thing that I got wrong. Um, and it's still the only thing that I have wrong. Thank you very much. But I really thought that Tiffany, Tiffany's dish did a better job of using the randomizer. And I, I really feel that way. I thought that her usage of the whole chicken was better. Like, I think if you're just going to give one piece of chicken or like one cut of chicken to judges, then it's, you can't say you use the whole chicken. Um, mm. You know, if they wanted you to just, what did Darnell use? Did he use legs or thighs? I think he used legs. Legs. Yeah. Uh, legs. Yeah. So like if the randomizer gave you chicken legs, that's one thing, but if they give you the whole chicken, I really feel like you need to do something more with it. Um, and then I also, was a little annoyed at Nancy's comment about not tasting the randomizer because then the things that she said she needed to taste weren't on the randomizer. <laughs> like she got so bent about there not being any coconut flavor. Right. And they, they didn't have to use a coconut. Right. And I thought that if we're being completely honest and, and I'll just put my opinion out and then I'll shut up and everybody can tell me that I'm wrong. 
the whole thing with Tournament of Champions is like you get a a a kitchen device, a kitchen tool that you have to use, and you may have to use it in a weird way to make it work. And I thought that Tiffany using the mallet to to tenderize and and mash down her spices and her chicken was a more creative use than saying, well, I have a coconut opener, so I guess I'm going to use coconut. (laughs) But also, I'm very butthurt that my bracket is broken. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. But that's my two cents. You know, I I get that. I I do think that Tiffany's was, and, and, you know, Marcus said that it had, it took guts. Like her, her dish was a little bit more ambitious, maybe. Like she, she, I think got a little more, creative with it but i i still think when i looked at the two dishes and when i thought about the two dishes and when i like heard them you know describing them darnell's sounded better to me and like look i don't think that either of them deserved over a 90 yeah (laughs) like i I mean i agree with that yeah (laughs) yeah it's like when they said that they were 80 and 85 i was like yeah this this checks out like neither of these was like close to perfection it just you know they liked darnell's a little bit more yeah Yeah. i mean i think and at the end of the day i was just a little bit underwhelmed by this round not by any means would i say that either of these chefs made something that wasn't good or you know that i i wouldn't like but i thought for it being the Greek round, neither one really nailed a Greek dish or Greek flavors. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that one. Before we move on to the second round, uh, let's take a quick little trip into the mid-roll zone. Woo, mid-roll zone! This episode of Up for Discussion is brought to you in part by an anonymous donation on behalf of Welcome Hall Mission. Welcome Hall Mission was established in 1892, and it's the largest doorway to help Montrealers in need. Tons of programs are available to support homeless people, young single mothers, families, and at-risk youth. They provide hope through concrete actions and effective solutions. If you're someone in Montreal who's in need, please check them out. And if you're not, but you want to help them out with something, go to their website at the link in the description below and learn about the ways that you can support the Welcome Hall mission. Hey, if you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review I get during the month of April, I'll be donating $2 to The Depot, my local food bank here in Montreal. They can turn every $1 they get donated to them into $3, which means that your free rating and review does $6 of good for a family in need. Think about that math for a second. Hey, Matt. Hey, Tom. Is there any other circumstance where you can spend $0 and make $6 happen? There certainly isn't. I didn't fucking think so. So you can read about everything that The Depot is doing at the link in the description below, and I would highly recommend leaving a rating and review so that you can turn 0 into 6. I also wanted to let you know that our network is in the middle of a massive fundraising campaign right now over on Indiegogo. At the time of recording, we've raised just over $3,500, which is pretty rad. Um, We surpassed our original goal, and uh, there's still about 10 days left at the time of this episode's release to donate and claim perks. And uh, we are trying to hit a goal of $3,750 right now, which is our uh, stretch goal, so that we can hire and pay an intern to learn from us and work with us over the summer. Because uh, unpaid internships are bullshit and paid internships are rad so if you like the idea of helping us be able to train and pay somebody in our community to learn the ins and outs of podcasting give them the tools they'll need to produce their own show going forward and want to help us raise that last 250 dollars hit the indiegogo link in the description of this episode and make it happen all right let's get into round two all right so round two we've got tom your favorite christian patroni 
up against one of my personal favorites, Manit Shohan. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And the randomizer spit out pork belly, shiitake mushrooms, a French press, European, which they specified as Western European, and 35 minutes. Now, Tom, this one took me a hot minute to come up with an idea for, and I am very, very curious what you came up with. Yeah, so this took me a minute to figure out as well, just because I wasn't sure where they were drawing the line between Western and Eastern European, because uh, a lot of parts of Europe are kind of Central European in my mind. Uh, So I was like, Europe is a big, long country. I kind of have a sense of what Eastern Europe is, because it's like the Ukraine and like other places that feel like the Ukraine. But I really didn't know where West started for them. Um, And my family, like background is from Germany, Austria and Hungary. And uh, Hungary is like, bordered by Eastern European countries. So I really wasn't sure if I could like play that card or not. Um, but I uh, I figured, you know what? Hungary does not feel like Eastern Europe despite being adjacent to it. So I'm going to go with it. Uh, so I went into my old family recipe book inside my heart and thought about chicken paprikash, which is a chicken dish that honestly, it's a little bit the Hungarian version of butter chicken. Um, <laughs> someone might hate me for saying that, but come at me, bro. I've made both in large amounts and I'm very good at making both. And, uh, feel like I can confidently say that. Um, So basically, I thought about this and was like, okay, well, pork belly doesn't like cook the same way that like, say chicken thighs do, which is what I would usually use for a paprikash. But you can put potatoes in there with the shiitake mushrooms and maybe with some like button mushrooms as well, just to kind of give it more mushroominess um, and do a mushroom and potato paprikash. Uh, And then I would do a like crispy apricot glazed pork belly on top of the paprikash uh, because apricot is kind of the fruit that I most associate with Hungary. Um, Interesting. All right. Yeah. I, I know chicken paprikash from exactly one thing. And that one thing is Avengers age of Ultron. I have not had (laughs) chicken paprikash in my entire life, but I do know that it is a Sokovian dish, um, which I think is in fictional Eastern Europe, but again, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a Hungarian dish. I don't know what to tell you. Hungary is officially in Central Europe, so like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's fine, whatever. It's fine. I had a hard time with this one uh, because honestly, I just don't eat a ton of European food. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to kind of harken back to where I came from and go back to my Pittsburgh Polsky roots. And I was like, well, I'm dead pierogies, pierogies, pierogies. <laughs> uh, and so my thought was to make mushroom pierogies with pork belly bacon jam. And then I would have done up some sauerkraut and I would have stuffed shiitake caps with sauerkraut as a side dish. So, so it would have been pierogies and sauerkraut but with mushrooms. Now, Tom, I'm not going to lie to you. I hate mushrooms. Absolutely (laughs) hate mushrooms. I do not know what shiitake mushrooms taste like. I do not know how to cook them. I do not like them. I I don't know what to do with shiitake mushrooms. Mm -hmm. So I know what to do with pork belly, and that's chop it up real nice, cook it down, make it into small bits, and, uh, you know, do some some little bacony bits. Mm -hmm. And I know what to do with a French press, and I kind of know what to do with Western Europe, but I I don't know jack when it comes to uh, 
when it comes to shiitake mushrooms. So that was what I came up with. I'm not saying I'm particularly confident in that idea, but that that's my my go-to. You know, honestly, it sounds really, really good to me. And I feel a little bit more okay about having chosen Hungary because Poland is similarly central. So I know, right? <laughs> I talked I talked some mad trash for something that is equally central. <laughs> I think they're um, like maybe even like like aligned on the map. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't even know American geography, let alone <laughs> Western European geography. Um, so in terms of uh, shiitake mushrooms, I am most familiar with them as a dried thing that you rehydrate and then kind of like use as a flavoring for things. Um, I know that they are really common in a lot of um, like dim sum dishes. Uh, so I made these wonton meatballs a little while ago, uh, that were like, uh, ground pork with, um, green onion and shiitake mushrooms and shrimp mixed in, um, real tasty, uh, tasted just like if you've ever had a dumpling that was like a pork and shrimp dumpling. Yeah. 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 So I suspect that if you've had pork and shrimp dumplings, there's a decent chance that there is shiitake mushroom at least in some kind of broth that's used to make that, because that's where that umami flavor comes from that gets put into a lot of food like that. You know, Tom, I you're you're my friend. I care about you deeply. I'm not going to lie to you like this. I did the improv thing where I yes and you when you said, have you ever had pork and shrimp <laughs> dumplings? I haven't. I've never had pork and shrimp dumplings, but I've had pork and shrimp and dumplings, so I figured, okay. you know. Fair enough. Not a big dumpling person? Uh, not a huge dumpling person. Listen, we've had this conversation before in which, like, Pop-Tarts are a dumpling, and I like Pop-Tarts. So, Well, good news, I, Matt, because they also put shiitake mushrooms in Pop-Tarts. That is upsetting, and I do not like it. Um, there are certainly dumplings that I've had and that I enjoy. I would say, as LOL goofy as Pop-Tarts are dumplings is, pierogies are super dumplings, and I've, I've had pierogies... But again, like if if I see or hear that mushrooms are involved, sure. I avoid at all costs. <laughs> That's fair. Um, yeah. So so I think though, like your instinct to like make a make a pierogi, make a uh, shit. What was the other part of it? It was pierogies and sauerkraut. Sauerkraut. Yeah, yeah. I think that sounds really good, and I can really see shiitake's playing well with a sauerkraut situation. So uh, I like that. Yeah, that was kind of what I figured, you know, like I've heard enough about the umami flavor of sauerkraut, or I'm sorry, of shiitake mushrooms, and I know that sort of sour, bitey flavor of sauerkraut, Mm -hmm. so I I think that together those go pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I like that idea. All right, so what we got from Christian and Manit, Christian came up with a pork belly cassoulet with a, a weird whipped potato thing that he kept calling different things uh, <laughs> until he put it on the side of his dish. And Manit did a stroganoff, a mushroom stroganoff with a borscht crema. Uh, so I, again, as someone who does not like mushrooms, thought that Manit's dish looked really good. I do like beef stroganoff. I just get it without the mushrooms. So I, I was really into that idea. I wanted so desperately to like Christian's dish and that pork cassoulet just didn't sell for me. Sure. I can't I can't blame you on that one. Yeah, I did think though that it was interesting they both went the same way with the French press. 
to load the French press up with the mushrooms and make like a mushroom broth. I thought that was a great usage of the fresh press. The fret, fret, mm, French press. Fresh we prince. got there. Yeah. And what I thought was really interesting was when it came to the judging, Manit's dish, the judges loved it. Rocco wanted to take it with him, but Marcus called out the borscht for being more Ukrainian than Western European, mm -hmm. which I thought was really interesting. And then the judges didn't really have anything to say negatively about Christian's dish other than that the plating wasn't great. And I really thought that Christian was going to walk away from this because I figured that not great plating was going to be less of a sin than doing the wrong country. But I was wrong, and Manit took it with an 83 over Christian's 80. Yeah, I was really surprised by that. So um, so let's talk about Christian's potatoes real quick. Actually, no, two thoughts. First off, um, I thought it was really charming. Uh, we see a lot of the time white chefs on these cooking competition shows being like, yeah, I'm going to make a pad thai. And then they make like kind of just like peanut sauce noodles. And like it's this like, you know, thing where we get to laugh at these like clueless white chefs who are like all of, you know, any part of Asia is all the same. Uh, and it was kind of fun to see Manit do the opposite where she was like, yeah, I'm going to make a Western European dish that's, uh, I don't know, stroganoff and uh, borscht. I was just sort of like, yeah, see, this this can go both ways. And I liked seeing that happen with her because I was like, this this happens all the time the other way around. It must be a little satisfying for her to be on that end of it for once. Um, I For Christian's potatoes. So um, you mentioned not having any idea what these were. Um, I've heard of Robichon potatoes before. Um, but in all fairness, uh, Joel Robichon had a Montreal restaurant or has possibly. I know he's dead. I don't know if the restaurant is still here. Um, Basically, it's like a very, very fancy potato uh, that like, uh, I think Christian was describing it really well in terms of like the texture becomes almost like a like melted mozzarella by the end of it. Uh, super like stretchy and delicious. Um, so I was like, when they, <laughs> when they loved his fancy potatoes this much and Rocco was like, look, I've eaten potatoes made by Joel Robichon before I can confirm that these are like pretty damn close and, and fantastic I really didn't think that Christian was going to lose this one and uh, honestly the only negative thing being Nancy saying that the potatoes were you know not where she wanted them I wonder if maybe Nancy just tanked this one on presentation and Marcus and Rocco gave him high enough points that if Nancy hadn't tanked it so hard, he would have won. Because I really, I don't understand. I think Nancy really just like did not like that and really, really tanked him for it. Yeah, I honestly got the exact same impression of Nancy in the last round with Tiffany's dish. Not, mm -hmm. necessarily, not necessarily saying that Nancy tanked her so hard that she would have lost by five points, but I think it might have been closer. <laughs> but this one only being differentiated by three points, I also kind of got that feeling. And I, you know, I'm no disrespect to Nancy Silverton. I have a lot of respect for her and how she's come up through the, the food competition scene. But I do not love her as a judge for Tournament of Champions. I just don't know that she really gets the point. <laughs> I've definitely kind of gotten that vibe too. All like she's the one who, when the chefs see her come out to judge, they're always like, "Oh, Nancy, amazing!" And then as soon as she starts criticizing things, 
they're also like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I think that there's definitely, there's something to that, right? That they all like have this real respect for her and this real like admiration of her as a cook. But then as soon as she starts judging, they're all like, uh, I don't know. And so I think you're right that like, she maybe is the sort of swing vote a lot of the time, but like doesn't totally get how this works. I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that. And I guess the argument there is like, you know, that's part of the game, right? Yeah. There's this blind judging. You're bringing in judges who aren't watching your performance and, and how you do everything. They're judging only your dish, and, and that's the point. Mm-hmm. I get that. But I just... Ah, it irked me a little bit, and it's irked me before in Tournaments of Champions, but it really irked me this week that I felt like Nancy just like was not with the program. I have a thought about this on the blind judging. You watch uh, B. Bobby Flay, right? Yes, yeah. So on B. Bobby Flay, they do the same thing, the blind judging. And uh, every time <laughs> there is, it's it's like really clear who is going. Like, I feel like with Tournament of Champions, I'm right, like maybe like two out of three times about who the winner is going to be based on what they say during judging. But on B. Bobby Flay, like nine times out of 10, I'm right about it. And like, I think that maybe part of the thing that makes beat Bobby Flay work is that the judges, the blind judges each time are different. They vary it up from episode to episode. Whereas on this one, like, look, I love Marcus. Don't get me wrong. I love having Marcus around. I think he's brilliant, but I do think that there's something to having judges come back for like every single episode that is maybe just a little bit making it like less blind judging than it would be if they varied it a little bit more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I super do. I 100% agree because there has been a little bit of variation in the judging, but not nearly as much as I've wanted. And I honestly had the same complaint about the first season of Tournament of Champions because while the judges are judging the dish blind, there is definitely a meta there where the competitors can start to realize, like, okay, well, we're seeing three of the same five judges every week, if I start to cook to their style, I'll start to win. Yeah, well, well, that's exactly it, right? Like, it can't be truly blind judging if you have the same judges coming back even more than once because they start comparing things to other things that they've had in the tournament. You know, they cannot be, like... I have all the respect in the world for Marcus as a judge. I'm using Marcus as the example again because I think he's the only one who's been on every single episode. And, like, you know... I have so much respect for him as a judge, but at the same time, like, as soon as he's reviewed, as soon as he's judged the first round, he is no longer impartial. He is going to, even subconsciously, he's going to be thinking, like, well, okay, like, how did today's matchup, you know, compare to that first round dish that I had that was amazing, that 90 that I got from Tiffany in the first round? How does this, you know, compare to that? And, like, I, yeah, I don't know. It it just... It rubs me the wrong way a little bit to call it like, you know, a, a changing panel of judges and and to hype up the blind judging side of it, and then to still have the judges be like, you know, mostly the same people week after week. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there, and you know, I don't want to sit here and repeat everything you just said, but not to spoil the ending, Nancy said at the very end of the episode, the last judging thing she said was that the cooking on this show has been like unmatched to any other competition she's been a part of. 
And it's cool that she has that opinion, but like you said, if you're around long enough to form that opinion, are you really judging blind? And I don't know that the answer to that is yes. Yeah, and I mean also, if you're going to throw out the phrase, this is, you know, on a different level than anything I've ever judged outside of this competition, and then also, you know, I don't know, Doc Christian Petroni say 20 points in presentation for having potatoes on the side. I don't know... (laughs) Something feels a little bit off about that. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, are you ready to move on to match number three? All right. Yeah. Let's move on to the final matchup. Oh, my God. Oh, wait. We didn't even say who won. Manit won. 83 to 80. Wait. Maybe we did. I don't know. I don't know if we did or not, but Manit did win. Manit won and my bracket lives. (laughs) At least that part of your bracket. She's up against Darnell next week, so we'll see. I really like Manit, and I think we said last week when she competed or, or two weeks ago, whenever that was that we were both a little underwhelmed by the plate she put on the table. Mm-hmm. And to be completely honest, I was a little underwhelmed by the plate she put on the table today. Yep. Um, I Not that I wasn't, not that I didn't think it was good. I, I did think it was good. I just know that Monique can put out better. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. We'll, we'll see what happens next week. Cause she, she did play, she scored similarly to Darnell this week. So like it is, it is in my mind either of them could win it next time yeah i totally agree with you all right final matchup antonia logs so versus jeff tila according to my autocorrect got it i was very confused there for a second i I forgot that bit um yeah i didn't get to say it for the last one that was my final thought on match two uh christian petronius versus manit chai ann weird yeah that's i would not expect them to get manit and not shohan yeah i don't know Well, okay. So we got Antonia versus Jet. Uh, The matchup that I've been saying for weeks, I am looking forward to seeing Antonia destroy him in. Uh, The randomizer gave them Dungeness Crab, Kumquat, the Spetzelmaker, and North African in 35 minutes. Uh, Matt, did you also just kind of stare for a long time at this one? Yeah. Oh, 110%. (laughs) I okay, so I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. I've never had North African food in my life. Sure. Um, there are a couple of really phenomenal African restaurants around me, and I've wanted to try them, but I was too nervous pre-COVID and really over 2020. My palate has expanded a lot, but there have been a couple of new nationalities of food that I've really wanted to try, and haven't wanted to try during covid because i want to eat them in the restaurant i don't want to do them as takeout because i know that it'll i'll have a better opinion of it if i do it live and not 15 minutes later out of a styrofoam box yeah so i've never had north african food i do not know moroccan flavors i i really had nothing for this one uh you know like i know how to cook crab i like crab a lot but Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to make it into anything North African. So I definitely just stared at this one for a while and kind of ended up coming up with something really similar to what Antonia did, where I would have made a crab dip, which I think you and I have talked about before as something that you didn't know existed, but is something that I love. And I would have made a crab dip and I would have just, I, I said North African crab dip, because I don't know what North African means, but I just would have used whatever flavors the other guy was using yep. <laughs> and uh, made some North African crab dip. And then my kind of interesting spin here was I didn't know what to do with the Spetzel maker. 
and I decided that I would take the kumquats, force them through the spetzel maker to make kumquat spetzel, and then I would have tossed that in like some lemon and uh, maybe like a little bit of cilantro to make a really light, bright topping to put on the crab dip that you could spoon it all up at once. Because in my brain, mm. like kumquat is a really acidic flavor sure. and crab dip really needs an acid like a lemon to you know cut through it because it is a really thick bite. And so I think chunks of kumquat tossed with lemon would have been a really great bright flavor to break up a big old scoop of North African crab dip. And that was what I finally landed on. But I don't think I landed on that until I was like maybe 15 minutes into the battle. Sure, yeah. Well, so for what it's worth, uh, quick question. What are you scooping the crab dip with? I think I would have just made like bagel chips. Okay, You know, sure. nothing specific. I wanted to come up with a specific chip and i just didn't get there that's okay yeah no i was just curious because i uh, yeah um so what you're describing to me sounds like a kind of <laughs> it, it sounds like maybe not super north african but i do think that it lends itself nicely to being almost like a hummus kind of situation where like a lot of the time you'll get like hummus or baba ganoush with like something else in the middle of it right i know like a really there's a there's a brand of like store packaged hummuses in Montreal uh, I think called Sabra that is like you know your standard kind of chickpea hummus maybe there's like garlic that's roasted in it as opposed to just like normal whatever um, but then in the middle there'll be a little pool of other stuff so like maybe it'll be pine nuts and like you know finely chopped basil or maybe it'll be like uh, uh, like red chili paste that you're supposed to like mix in or just like take a little bit at a time and the idea is kind of of like when you're dipping a pita chip in there you can take just the hummus or you can take the hummus plus you know and sometimes people will just mix it all up and like that's also really nice but it would separate if you packaged it all together but a lot of places that serve north african food so north african food is like its own thing certainly and obviously that's a whole region so there's like multiple countries encompassed in that but it's like you know it's like ethiopia it's it's egypt they're close enough geographically to the Mediterranean and the Middle East that there's a lot of similarities in terms of like flavor profiles and like textural elements um, but then obviously they just do things a little differently from place to place um, so you do end up with like a, a lot of sort of kefta kind of grilled meat situations a lot of hummus type like um, Ethiopian restaurants have um, the injera that's like the kind of communal pancake that you like use to grab stuff out of the middle right and the middle is all like various like sauteed like veggies and like uh, spreads and whatnot so i think all this to say i think that your dish sounds very in the spirit of what this challenge is despite the fact that you had no idea what to do with it so kudos on that i think that's a good instinct oh well thank you i i'll, <laughs> I'll take that compliment i have a non-zero amount of containers of Sabra hummus in my fridge Hell right yeah. now. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much there for sure. Yeah, that's it. Like, I think, I think the instinct to go with some kind of hummus, like they would maybe be like, this is like a little bit more Middle Eastern, but like, you know, it definitely exists. You know, I don't know. 
I think I think that sounds like a pretty good shot, honestly. Um, I kind of came at this from a similar place of having no idea what to do with this one. I stared at it for a super long time. I don't offhand know what a kumquat tastes like. I have made spetzel, but I've never uh, used a spetzel maker for it because my family was uh, poor. So we just uh, did it all by hand and kind of figured it out from there. Uh, <laughs> So, like, to me, it's like, oh, there's a device for this. That's cool. You don't just, like, run it through a cheese grater. All right. Um, But where I went with this one was um, the only sort of concept of North African food I had at all before doing a whole bunch of research into it and realizing all the things I said a minute ago was, like, the tagine, you know, the the Moroccan, like, kind of cool stone pot looking thing and I don't totally know how that works except that I know that you can cook sort of stews in it and so I was like all right I'm gonna do (laughs) like a rice pilaf with chickpeas and couscous and I'm gonna infuse some butter with crab and put that butter in fucking everything and I'm gonna put some (laughs) kumquats in the tagine as well to kind of let the kumquats get their flavor in there and then just for the hell of it I'm gonna deep fry some crab legs and put them on top because that'll look nice but I really had no idea what I was doing with this one and I didn't know what I was going to do with the Spetzel Maker either Um, but a thought that did occur to me was that it might be cool to then also take some of the chickpeas uh, not from the tagine so have them cooking in the tagine as well but also take some chickpeas puree them and then hold the Spetzel Maker over hot oil and make chickpea Spetzel that goes straight into the hot oil and fries immediately in like fun shapes. I don't know. Ooh, that's cool. I do like that a lot. <laughs> right? Um, yeah, maybe the hardest round so far in terms of like what the randomizer gave, but also the highest scores of the episode. And actually, in fact, the highest score singular of the episode, because somehow, <laughs> somehow, in a freak turn of events, Antonia and Jet got not only identical scores, but identical score breakdowns, which is to say that the individual components of their scores were also identical. So Guy couldn't even do the, like, technicality tiebreaker, and he broke this down for us and was like, yeah, normally if there's a tie, we go to execution, but that was a tie. Normally if that's tied, we go to this. Everything was a tie. So... That's fucking nuts. Um, And those two dishes, of course, were Antonia's North African crab cake and bisque with carrot razal hanout puree, which my phone corrected to handout puree, uh, date and pickled kumquat relish that Nancy didn't believe was made in 35 minutes. Marcus said was Afrobeat at its best and refused to explain what he meant by that and uh, said if I had to nitpick, the panko was not evenly cooked on the outside, but you could tell he was clearly like, that doesn't fucking matter. Uh, and Jet used the spetzel maker to make rice flour spetzel, which I thought was brilliant. Um, and a fried salt and pepper crab leg with harissa, which is uh, the sort of go-to. Like, if you put sriracha on something thinking, this kind of makes it Thai, harissa is the North African version of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, shell toasted with butter uh kind of used the crab as many ways as possible and like stuffed the crab as well which was interesting uh marcus said that he was impressed that it was not only delicious but fun and brilliant nancy loved the textures and rocco said that the spetzel was mind-blowing um marcus again i think just pressed to find something to criticize said that it could use a little acid and they tied and we're getting a rematch next week and that is nuts yeah i'm super excited about it i never saw a, a rematch coming or a tie like this coming it's it's really crazy but i do want to make my judging complaint where i have 
the exact same complaint as I did earlier where they busted on Tiffany for not using the coconut opener other than the mallet, and Antonia only used the Spetzelmaker as a steamer, and that was okay. Yeah. And I just didn't dig that inconsistency in judging. It 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 grinded my gears, and I needed to say it publicly. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I uh, I get that, especially because I think that had they noticed that and pointed that out, Antonia would have beaten debt. Yeah. Yeah, but, I think so. You know what? Now we get an extra opportunity to see her hopefully beat Jet. Imagine they just keep going at it and they keep getting identical scores over and over again. That would be insane. Like if they tied a second time. The, well, and what's crazy too is like for them to completely tie in every single category is incredibly mathematically improbable. Yeah. Just so <laughs> unlikely that it's really wild that it actually happened organically. Yeah. I had a bit of a hard time believing it until guy like really broke it down and showed the sh- the scorecard and I was like, "All right, okay. I mean, I'm not going to I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that this Food Network show is rigged. That's just so statistically improbable that it shocked me. Yeah, I feel like the year that they had a play-in tournament that took two episodes and also have a after show that eats up the last half hour of every episode, I don't think is the year that they would artificially introduce a tiebreaker match. <laughs> like, I don't think that they're right. hurting for, you know, content this year, you know? It certainly doesn't seem like it. <laughs> um, I had a dream about the tiebreaker match. This is my final thought on this episode. Um, so I slept really, really poorly last night. Um, the past couple of nights, it's it's rough. So a week ago, uh, Toby slept real bad, like over the weekend, and then had like basically a full week of sleeping really, really well. And I just like slept like a log through the night, and it was awesome. He didn't wake me up once, and I've been feeling so well rested. And then two nights ago, all of a sudden, he starts doing this thing that I have started to refer to as cluster snuggling, um, which uh, I call it that because there's a phenomenon in babies called cluster nursing, where uh, if you co-sleep with them, which we do, uh, they will sometimes, as a comfort thing, want to nurse every like 10 minutes just for like 30 seconds at a time uh and it'll just go on through the whole night and then you know the breastfeeding parent gets no sleep um and that's why we started sleeping in separate rooms and i sleep with toby at night and teffer sleeps in the office so that teffer can sleep because <laughs> toby was doing this for a while and uh he has started cluster snuggling which is the you know non-breastfeeding version of that where every 10 minutes or so he squeaks a little bit and shimmies over to me and wraps his arms around my neck and pulls me in for a hug which is very sweet very cute but also i don't know if you've been woken up by a toddler wrapping their arms around your neck but it's also really jarring (laughs) (laughs) so i'm so tired and somehow Still, in spite of that, I managed to have just enough of a dream last night in which the tiebreaker match was determined by none other than Bobby Flay coming out into the arena, standing there for a really uncomfortably long time, just listening to people applaud for him. And then once they stopped, he still stood around for a little while, just looking around, being like, yeah, I'm Bobby Flay. I'm in the fucking tournament of champions. And then eventually being like, (laughs) here is your here's your challenge for the tiebreaker here is a special ingredient that i'm going to give you and they just did it like beat bobby flay to determine which of the two of them goes to the finale or the semi-final and i was like this is 
yeah, okay, I'm fine with this. So this is my, like, if this happens next week, I'll donate everything I own to charity prediction is that Bobby Flay will vote for the tiebreaker next week. Man, I hope you're right. That would that would make all of my dreams come true. <laughs> that is really something else. Was, <laughs> like, when I tell you, like the amount of time that he stood there just waiting for something to happen and everyone was just like, what's going on, Bobby Flay? What's what's happening? Like, I, I thought I was watching the real show at first because <laughs> I was so asleep. <laughs> and it took, like, after, like, five minutes of Bobby Flay standing around just, like, looking at things was when I started to realize that I was dreaming. <laughs> like, hey, maybe I'm dreaming. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a lot even for Bobby. It certainly should have gone to commercial by now. <laughs> well, if that's your final thought on the episode, I have two quick final thoughts. Go for it. Um, my first final thought is that I dream to one day be as stylish as Marcus Samuelson. Right. My God, that man's style is unmatched by any. It is really incredible, and I, I'm very envious of his ability to wear, I don't know, every color at one time, and it still managed to look cool. And then thought two is less of a thought and more just a quote that I wanted to make sure we talked about. In the judging for this last round, Antonio LaFaso made this crab meat bisque. And at the end, or kind of while they were eating, I suppose, Rocco picked up the gravy boat of bisque and put it to his mouth. And Guy Fietti said to Rocco Despirito, don't chug that bisque on television. And I just needed to make sure that we pointed that out. Oh, thank you, because I missed that. It was real fast, and I had to rewind to catch it. But hearing Guy Fieri say, don't chug that bisque on television, was incredible. (laughs) Especially because that means that Guy Fieri endorses the chugging of bisque as long as it's not on tv right and I that's important it it's also amazing to me because i think what this also implies is that not only does guy Fieri endorse this he's also maybe seen rocco do this before yeah right like he knows that rocco Despirito will chug that bisque and he needed to point out that he should not do it on television <laughs> Oh no. Oh that's so good. Thank you for for bringing that up cuz I missed that. That was uh I think I had already stood up and started walking around the room and going what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck at that point? <laughs> I this was like, you know when you watch a sport game and you like jump up out of your seat and start yelling at the TV? Oh, I do. I so very much do. Yeah. I don't do that for sports, but I did that last night. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh on that note, join us next week for the uh, final episode of this because they're doing the semis and the finale in the same night uh, it's going to be a big one yeah I'm looking forward to it so we've got uh, Darnell versus Manit next week we've got Jet Tila versus Antonia we have the winner of Jet Tila versus Antonia versus Brooke and then we have the finals all happening next week which is definitely very exciting I think they said it's going to be a two hour episode yeah I'm uh, I'm Wow. I'm not ready. I think it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I think so too. I hope Bobby Flay is there. God, I want Bobby Flay to be there so bad. (laughs) Don't chug that bisque on TV. (laughs)
Oh my Words God. to live by. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening to for discussion. Uh, how do you feel about the way these matchups shook out? Were you mad? Were you happy? Tell us all about it on Twitter and Instagram at Down With Talking, at Tom Zalatni, and at MC underscore DJ underscore MC. Uh, if you like this episode and want to help make the show even better, head to patreon.com slash up for discussion to donate. And uh, we also have merch. You can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our friends at Public. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing the episode with a friend uh, or by not free by putting an Indiegogo donation. Everything's in the description. You know how it works. The theme music is by Zach Ingalls. The cover art's by David Flam. You can find links to both of their stuff in the description of this episode as well as links to everything else that Matt and I are doing. And last but not least, the show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Hey, Matt. Hey, Tom. Don't chug that biscuit. <laughs> you understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind. We'll take it slow. Hello, my name is Stefan and I am the host of a show called Some Good Friends and it's a podcast and it will make you laugh and we talk to some of my good friends and they're crazy and hilarious and wacky and you're going to love them just as much as I do. Currently, while I'm recording this, I forgot to mute all my other takes so I'm hearing myself say different words in my ears. The show comes out every Monday weekly. Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives, and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts.